Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to this week's episode of That Scale RC Show. We are on episode 54. I'm your host Adam alongside with Jay and it will just be us tonight. Um, Travis had to actually go pick up our intern and give him a ride back to his house so he is not going to be joining us. So this episode will probably just, you know, crash and burn. We're locked without Travis. <laughs> we're going to have technical difficulties. We're not going to be organized. Um it's it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> so bear with us. <laughs> Travis is the glue that binds us. <laughs> uh, Episode fifty four, man. Yeah, I know. No guests this um, week, but that's okay. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. Yes, ton of stuff to talk about. Um, it was just a holiday weekend, um, so let's start out with that. What what did you do this weekend? I was out at Die Hard Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Friday we kind of were making some last-minute preparations for the course. I guess I need to back up. It was Membership Appreciation Weekend, so at Die Hard you can buy a membership and have a gate key, and you can just be you know in and out of there, come and go as you please um, for the year, so we had a Membership Appreciation Weekend, and... Uh, had to get the trail kind of ready and stuff, fix a couple of things, and then we went through and like hung up scale banners and got some buildings put out and made some little gravel roads and a little farm, and it was super fun. So we did that stuff on Friday. Saturday was just kind of like a free day, you know, like just drive on the course, enjoy yourself, and then there was uh, music and fireworks that night, and then Sunday... We did a, uh, a, I'm trying to, th- trying to think of a good name for it. Um, basically what we did, the first event we did on Sunday for the scale stuff was we did a scavenger hunt for kids, but you use your phone and kind of take like picture proof of the items that you have, um, you know, that you find that's on the list. And so there was different little things hidden around the course and the kids would get a picture of their car next to it or object and stuff and like one of the things you had to do was like help a friend you know like kind of uh the whole like recon g6 and axial fest thing you know like lending a hand to somebody who's stuck or whatever so helping a friend was one of them and then uh the owners of the place uh brett and brenda they have a dog named sunny and he is like practically the community dog he's just great he just wanders from person to person saying hi and hanging out and getting loved and stuff and they found a little plastic like tent scale dog and uh, it looks almost just like Sonny and so one of the items was you know go find Sonny he ran off on the course somewhere and then uh, for the adults we did this kind of like follow the leader game which was pretty cool so there was 10 rigs and you have to take as close as humanly possible take the line of the person who's leader so we did youngest oldest is our starting order and when that person rolls over or gets stuck and they can't get out or whatever you know like that that's it they get bumped to the back of the line then there's a new leader that takes over so everybody follows that person and so we probably had the lead change a good 20 times and i've got a ton of video from it that i need to edit but it was it was awesome. Um, 
just super super good time so follow the leader was a pretty big hit it was that or just do kind of an impromptu scale comp and uh everybody was kind of more interested in just going and having fun on the course and so we did that and then at the very end of the follow the leader run we did um barrel racing you know because there's i don't know if you've ever seen like an off-road but they do like jeep barrel racing and like dudes like full-on build jeeps specifically for that and uh so we did that and that was super super fun we bought a bunch of 10th scale uh oil drums off of amazon so we had you know these barrels set up on the course and then you know there was like a out of bounds line and stuff and so you had to like complete this pattern in a certain amount of time so it, it was really cool it was a lot of fun so we had a great time camped out there the whole weekend and there was uh there's an off-road race there on the turf track and just a bunch of stuff going on saturday night they did nighttime drag racing which was awesome very very cool so yeah it was uh it was a weekend full of all kinds of fun nice sounds like a action-packed weekend dude it was rad it was like a mini axial fest it was a really good time i got to drive a mega mega truck like a mega mud truck that was a very cool experience um one of our team guys from SOR, Glenn Taylor, has a SMT10 that's converted to a mega truck with like the big gnarly J Concepts tractor style tires and a Chevy C10 body on it. And the, the thing is just absolutely wicked. I mean, it just throws this huge rooster tail of mud, you know, from all four tires. And I mean, the thing's just ungodly fast to the point where it almost like paddles itself across water. It, it was it was pretty rad it was hard to drive that and not just be like dang dude i really need to build one of these this is pretty darn cool nice yeah lots of fun awesome story so does that mean you're gonna build a mega mud truck next uh probably not i mean i want to but i don't know there's just so many other things i gotta do right now and i'm so busy with stuff with work and like i still need to finish some stuff that we have for the dr10 i mean it's just been crazy so yep very very busy yeah i hear that you you uh get a chance to get out and do some driving oh i did a little driving um we did a spur of the moment because uh it was the fourth um and typically on a normal not so hectic chaotic year we uh we usually go up to auburn because at the area where michelle's parents place is up there lake of the pines they have like a full-on like community like fourth of july celebration they got like kind of like a mini carnival kind of thing like there's kids can go do these little like you know beanbag toss and like um what i call the equivalent of kids beer pong um and stuff like that like little games and you can also buy, you know, your food there. You can get a burger or a hot dog, and um, they obviously for the adults sell beer and all that stuff. So typically, it's kind of like cool. You get to hang out. Uh, they got like a little like vendor area, and like there's like little arts and crafts and stuff. But that's typically what happens uh, this year. Due to everything, there was nothing, so we were kind of like on the fence, like if we were going to go anywhere. So we ended up at the last minute deciding, you know what? Let's just you know get out of town and we'll just go up to auburn anyways but just you know we won't be really doing anything because there's nothing really going on so anyways we went up there and i decided to bring my capper with me because the last time i was up there um working i brought the capra 
but I was so busy with everything that I never got to play with it. So I was like, all right. So uh, the one day, I forget what Michelle was doing, so I said, you know, I'm going to go play with the Capra. I am super impressed. I know it's like sounding like I'm super late to the party, but I built this rig, never really drove it, and now that it's like all complete, I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. Yeah, it's it's impressive how well that rig crawls. Like I've always said, you know, like appearance-wise and kind of like the way it's set up, you could tell it's a performance, you know, based rig. Um, and that's definitely what it is. I mean, that thing, I was putting it through lines that I would never attempt with any of my scale crawlers. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, there's this, like... So behind the house up there, there's like a creek that runs through, and obviously from like, I want to say usually middle to beginning of June all the way till about November, it's dry. So uh, there's like a tree, and uh, Michelle's dad actually didn't want the tree to erode and like fall in, so what he did was he built like this little like, he tried to make it semi-natural, he used a bunch of, uh, it's almost like I don't know what to call it. It's like gardening stone. That's what I call it. I always see it in planter boxes and stuff. It's like that half round, and like they can you can stack them together and make like a barrier. But anyways, he did that, and then it's got some rock next to it, and so there's a lot of like you can see it, and you're looking at it. It's like a lot of like comp lines because they're like big spaces and like off camber stuff, and there's this one area that's like super tight, and it's just like you know like to make that turning radius is like almost impossible so i was like you know what i'm just playing around with it you know just having fun let's just see what i can do and i mean i was playing around with the rear steer because that's another thing that i had to get used to because that's my first rig with rear steer and the way that it's set up on my spectrum remote is it's not like it's not like you have a button that you can just control like you push it forward and it'll steer to the right and you pull it back it'll steer to the left it's it's almost like setting it up in different like profiles it's like it's uh the only well it's the only way i found spectrum to do the four-wheel steer they actually tell you in the manual if you're going to do four-wheel steer you have to do it this way it's almost like it well it is mixing but it's almost like setting up a profile so like the first setting like when you push the uh, whatever channel it is that you pick when you push it once up it'll go into like what i call the barrel setting meaning that like if your tire if your front tires turn to the right your rear tires turn to the left so you could like you know and vice versa so they always turn the opposite so you could do like a super tight turn then there's the next uh, profile which I call the crab walk because when you turn the front to the right the rear will also turn to the right so you can kind of like you know and vice versa if you turn to the left it'll turn the rear will turn to the left so that way it's like crab walking then the final um, profile is is the one I call the forklift where it's just the rear axle steering the front stays um, straight and um, so like learning which one was like which one setting you were in and learning how to use that because really the only way it works is as you're turning your you know the wheel that's what controls the rear at the same time that's why it's mixing so both of them happen at the same time so you have to kind of like know like okay I need to kind of like go into this profile, like the crab walk, so that way I can kind of like scoot myself over, then quickly click it back so I just have regular steering. Like, you just have to know what you're doing. So it was kind of fun playing around with that and just getting it to go over certain lines um, was just pretty impressive. And the other thing I liked about it is 
I typically do this thing, I call it the wall test, because that kind of tells me how balanced the rig is, or top heavy, or etc. And typically what I'll do is I'll go to angle to a wall, and I'll get the tire going up it, then I'll turn into the wall, and I'll keep driving up until it wants to start to teeter back, and I see how far up I can go uh, before it teeters, or like the bumper drags, or whatever, with the, um, with the Capra. I can almost go completely vertical. I think the tire, the rear tires are like a half inch away from the wall by the time it wants to roll backwards like a roly-poly. Nice. So, like, it's pretty impressive. Like, I was like, you know, I'm like I said, I'm pretty impressed with this rig. But, but I mean, the only thing I'd like to do now is find um, a slightly bigger battery as far as size, like, capacity but keep the footprint the same. I have a 1300 milliamp hour battery and if I jump up to the next one it's too big to fit in that tray but I remember watching a video on YouTube where the guys at Horizon went over the various um, batteries that they got to fit. So um, one of them was actually super tiny but it was like a uh, 3,000 milliamp hour. So I was like, if I can find something like that, I can get more than 45 minutes out of this run. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's a... Uh, what was I using? I think it was a Radier Protec 3-cell shorty in my Capra. And it, it fit pretty good, and it was a 3,000 milliamp. And it it actually lasted a pretty, pretty long time. Yeah, I'll have to check that out, because with the... I think it's a 13. I could be wrong, but... 13 could be what I have for the uh, for the Yeti Junior, the Can-Am. Um, that might just be a, a like a 1,050. It might, it might be a super small battery, but I just remember it was a uh, when I went to ho- uh, not Hobby Town, Fast Track up in Roseville or Rockland. They said it was a uh, drone battery. So it's like meant for flying, so that's why it's so compact. But um, being the fact that I'm running two servos, I got a brushless system in there, and when and it was hot out, so the fan actually kicked on. So I'm assuming that just you know overloads that battery, so you get like about a half hour, 45 minutes before it's done. Yeah, that that's probably about right. Now, you what motor did you put in that? Uh, so I went with the. 2100 um, KV Polar Pro. Oh, check you out. I ended up doing a 45 turn in the one that we had because I started out with a 35 and the thing was just like geared really, really tall just, you know, because of the portals and stuff. Like it was just entirely too fast. So I went with a 45 turn and I think I geared it down to like an 11 tooth pinion and I had it running on a three cell and that was, that was pretty good. It was still, you know, a little too fast, but it actually could like crawl slower and not get hot or anything. Like I, I've seen some dudes are smoking motors on them, you know, and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it is kind of a little, I don't know. The gear ratios are a little tall for, you know, a low turn motor like that. Yeah, see, and that's what's pretty interesting, and that is one thing I do got to say I was still kind of shocked about was um, I, you know, I knew that that 
that the capper was pretty like top end, like you know, close to a one to one kind of situation. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna go down in motor size because originally I was gonna run a 27, but I was at JJ Customs and a guy was running his, and I couldn't believe like that thing was like, I mean, he could almost get the thing to do a wheelie, and I'm like, going, dude, what are you running that thing like a you know 30 uh, 3300 or something? And he goes, no, it's a 27. I go, that's a 27. I said, oh, I, better, I better drop down to like a 21. I said, because that's freaking like that's insane. Yeah, it's they're just really fast right out of the box i think part of it's because of the way the portals are geared and then also you know i mean they don't have you know normally in a regular transmission you know you got like your pinion gear and your spur gear and like the spur gear is normally very very big in diameter compared to your pinion and that compact transmission they have that spur gear is not super big you know so i think a lot of the reduction they're trying to do is at the portals but it still might not be quite enough yeah it's not it's not quite enough and if i'm not mistaken i think i actually did drop the pinion on that to like an 11 but i could be wrong i might be running the, the stock when i it it's been a minute since i put that one together so i'm not 100 percent sure off the top of my head what that has, because I do know with the SCX-10 I know right out of the gate I dropped the pinion down to an 11, mainly because the 11 was the lowest, no, to a 12, because that was the lowest I had on hand. So I think the lowest you can go in the 10.3 because it's the preset settings. Oh, yeah. Um, the 11 is the lowest. In the Capra, I believe it's still you can adjust it yourself. Like you can, so I, I don't think so. I think it slides, if I remember right. It's been a while. Like I haven't had that thing for probably seven or eight months. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think I think it came with a thirteen, and I went to an eleven, something like that. I mean, it was just a small step down, but it helped. I mean, it was still a little fast, even with the forty-five turn, but it wasn't getting super hot or anything with the eleven, so it worked out pretty good. Yeah, mine only was getting, like, well, the motor wasn't really getting hot. I think the ESC was getting hot because it was, like, 103 degrees out. Yeah, I could see that. Dude, that's terrible. That, so, that's way too hot. What were you doing outside? Well, <laughs> playing with my RC car. <laughs> I think it was, like, low to mid-70s here. It was about as picture-perfect as you could possibly hope for. Yeah, no, um... It was kind of hot, I mean, but it was kind of cool because, like I said, uh, it was just me and Michelle, so we went grocery shopping, picked up some burgers, pulled out the grill, just, you know, grilled some burgers for the two of us, um, hung out, and that was pretty much it. On the way back home, Sunday, I stopped by uh, Gene Boyd's house and picked up my UC Fab um, cage for the deadbolt. Those are cool looking. That's a sharp looking and cage for those. And he also hooked it up with uh, two, uh, the front and rear bumper. Oh, nice! So I was like, yeah. So, so I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna start pimping out the uh, deadbolt a little bit. So, and I, that actually might, that actually might become my like designated like Auburn rig, like you know, leave it up there so that way, like even if I'm up working and I forget, I'd be like, oh look, I got something to play with. So that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so now I'm just trying to come up with colors for it because the cool thing is I picked them up raw, so there's no color on anything, and they were just fresh out of the bead blaster. So I'm like, 
should I paint them? Should, should I Cerakote them? I was like, I'm like, you know, trying to figure out which direction I should go. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because the deadbolt's what, camo? Yeah, so you did like a black and black, gray, and white camo kind of thing with it. Um, that's another rig would be fun. Like, you know, that's what I got to do one of these days. I got to sit down. I think the, the black and gold JK, I think the deadbolt, I think both those need a fresh, like a updated wrap with the new logo. Oh, yeah, that's no problem. The, uh, I don't know why, but man, the deadbolt, I've always had a soft spot for that body. That's always been one of my favorite ones, and I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's kind of Bronco-ish or not, you know? Like, I like the That's G6 cool. Jeep, but the deadbolt's just really cool. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I think you're that way because it's Bronco-ish and you're kind of like a Ford guy, so I think that's, you know, I think that's where it comes from. Could be. Honestly, I'm an everything guy. I just kind of, like, came to that conclusion this last weekend because like i've had so many like different brands of real cars and then when it comes to rc bodies and stuff like i've had stuff all over the board and like i'll get on like a jeep kick or stuff like that but like right now i'm on a um toyota kick so it just kind of varies but i think I, if i had to describe myself i would say i'm pretty much a fan of like anything automotive so yeah <laughs> they're all cool so, um, and then I guess the other thing was pretty cool when I got, uh, back to Redwood City, there was a package waiting for me. Um, I had purchased an AX10 Scorpion from Brandon Catton. So shout out to Brandon. Uh, I was actually shocked. I literally, like, I, I don't go on Facebook all the time. And like the first thing I do, I don't normally like, go on like marketplace or something. It just happened to have popped up in the feed and I was like, and I saw it, and I looked at the time, and it said it was posted six hours ago. So I just texted him. I said, "Hey, Brandon." I said, "Is this thing still for sale?" And he goes, "Yep." He goes, uh, "He goes, it's still for sale." So I go, "All right." I said, "I'm interested." And he goes, "Really?" And I go, "Yep." Put it down, sold. Send me your PayPal. Brad, so, that was new in the box, yeah. right? You said that, I think. Uh, no, oh, that okay. one wasn't new in the box. It had like one or two runs, um, and uh, the reason why I wanted it honestly is because this shows you how bad my rc addiction is <laughs> so i have that that ax10 scorpion almost ready to run the orange one mm -hmm. that's in the that's in the box so basically the almost ready to run was a upgraded one so it came with metal links um not sure about the knuckles but i know it came with the aluminum links um I don't I think the upgraded chassis some other a couple other items that were pretty like like almost like getting a kit version but if somebody was to assemble the kit for you kind of thing mm -hmm. um, and that one was new in box never been opened so wow. that, so I like don't have the heart to take it out and like use it just because it's never been opened so I'm like all right that one's gonna stay in its box so I was like I gotta get one so I can use it yeah but keep it, you know, in the box. Or, I mean, keep that one in the box and still be able to use an AX-10 Scorpion. Right. So when he put that up for sale, I said, all right, I got to get it. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool. I mean, you you own a piece of history now, which is awesome. You got one to sit there and, you know, save for all of posterity, and then you've got one that you can actually go enjoy and have some fun with. 
Yeah, and uh, the cool thing about it was what really kind of like put the fire like under me to do it was um, last year before Axial Fest, Randall Davis from Axial put out a post that he was doing like that he came across some parts and he did like an old like basically a modern looking like OG vehicle which was his AX10 Scorpion and I was like dude that thing's so sharp looking like I was like oh I said I need to find one like I need to find one that I could use so I can like you know do something with it so um yeah it's pretty cool like and not only that there's another part of history that's on there and it's a shame that they already got like tire rot because it's like oh it'd be so cool to run them but those things came with the original Proline rock tamer were they rock tamers or rock crushers or something like that i got i'd have to go look at it but but uh they're proline tires which are i know are clearly discontinued but yeah they're a little uh on the dry rot side wow that sucks might be able to find some somewhere but somebody's gonna want a premium for them yeah well the other thing that i thought was pretty funny was um or pretty cool is the fact that it's so original it's got the original um uh before they went to uh tactic it was the original um axial branded servo the ax so1 or something like that and the speed control is an ae1 oh wow i was like that's what i said i was like man i said this thing's super original so uh so yeah so no, that was pretty that was pretty cool did you get the radio with like the little door over the controls and stuff no, oh. that's the only thing it didn't come with was the radio I still see some of those floating around every once in a while, or somebody will have so, one. What's uh? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's no big deal. I could just get a Spectrum receiver and just use one of my Spectrum remotes. It's no big deal. You know, didn't Axial tried to kind of revive the AX10 for a little bit, didn't they, with the orange AX10 deadbolt that they offered for a brief period of time? I think what they tried to do is they tried to revamp the um, the platform, like to make it like a crawling platform. So like that one was actually kind of like funny because it was the original AX10 style chassis. The only thing they changed was they put Wraith axles on it and then put the deadbolt body on it. What? Oh, so, so they would have had the OG style axles when they were new, right? So like the one I have has the the original OG round two-piece axial axle. Oh, okay. So, like, what was in the the OG SCX-10? Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I so, forgot they didn't have AR-60s. That's right. No, they didn't have the AR-60s back then. So when the so after the Wraith came out, I think that's when they re kind of vamped it, and they came out with the Deadbolt, um, which was based off the AX-10, but they put in the wraith axle to give it a little bit wider stance and then they put more of like a car body on it instead of like a you know futuristic kind of like rc car body which is what the scorpion body is right so but no it's pretty cool i'm i'm pretty stoked you know uh, i have something here that i should send you i've got a uh scorpion body i think it was the ridgecrest body they called it or something it's like a suv yeah, I got a brand new clear one here with decals, window masks, everything. Really? Yeah, want it? Yeah, I might have to. I might have to do something with that. Because then you can like, I don't know. I mean, like, save it or use that one and save the one you got if it's in good condition. I mean, something. But I, I just figured that 
it's probably kind of a difficult thing to come by nowadays so well it's actually funny you say that because um the cool thing is yours is un it's uncut so uh, I don't remember it might be cut because I, I didn't okay. get a brand I mean I got it new from a guy but I think he started to cut it out well I mean okay well okay it's cut but I mean I'd have to see if there's body holes for it because on the a because on the scorpion the body holes are on the I think it's still like a car they're on the top whereas where are they on the side it might be on the side. I don't know. I can't remember. It's vice versa because I remember I was talking to Todd Norton, and he's got one that he had from his – because he had a ridge crest. But he said the problem is he's already got the body hook post on the one side. So let me pull up the picture real quick because since I'm sitting here doing the show, I'm not going to run down and look at the <laughs> – yeah, so on the Scorpion, the body posts are on the side, and I think on the Ridge Crest, because it was a different body, like chassis setup, the they were on the, they were going through the the hood in the trunk area. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll look at it. It's in a box behind me on the shelf. I'll dig it out, but that might be. I mean, I I have no use for it, and you've kind of got like this thing going on here, so we'll add it to Adam's Museum of Crawler History. Dude, that, that, I should. I should start something like that. Do a virtual tour. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, there's some people that, like, you know, that are newer in the hobby probably don't even realize some of the, you know, didn't even, they're not aware of some of these models that uh, you have still. So, well, yeah. So, um, which I don't know if is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so I just zoomed in on the picture that I originally took when I got it to think Brandon. Um, it's the Proline Hammers weird never even heard of them though well, they're two two like comp tire oh wow so that yeah. was kind of a weird thing seeing them come out with another pin style comp tire recently really yeah the, the ibex have you seen those yet no they i don't know if it's for people that are kind of like taking and making you know, like sporties out of Capras or what? Like, I, I, I think that's kind of their market. But yeah, they have like a straight up full on comp crawler pin tire now, and they call it the Ibex. Neat looking tire. Su- yeah, super tall, that. skinny. Proline has some good stuff coming up too. They got that new Barracuda body that just came out. That thing's super sick. Hopefully get to see some more pictures of that soon. I forgot to turn the fan off oh, in yeah. the shop. It's like a million I degrees in here and I left it running. Oops. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, the Ibex Ultra Comp 2.2. The only other thing I can think of is there are some people that are still trying to keep you know, the true rock crawling alive. So they might be actually doing like like I mean I I don't know if it's more popular East Coast or West Coast but you know that might be why they're doing it. Could be I mean I it's it's cool I mean I don't really have the money to get into it but I mean you know just spread over so many different things you know with work and everything else but I mean I I mean if if I had the funds for something like that just for the hell of it like I would for sure 
get a comp crawler just because I think it'd be fun to see what they can do. Yep. They are pretty crazy. Huh. I wonder how scary this is. I was just real quickly after I was looking up those tires, I just for like, you know, for, you know, S and giggles, I was like, let's just see if I can even find those Proline hammers. And I put them on and I said, um, I said, I just typed in uh, Proline 2.2 hammers and these tires popped up. One tenth crawler tire truck Proline 2.2 crawler tires for Axial SCX10, AX10, RC wheel drive Tamiya four pieces, 2680 from wish.com. <laughs> I don't know if that's legit or not. I, wish is sketchy. I don't think I would trust like a $5 purchase to Wish. I don't think I'd want them to have my credit card info even. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like it's just sketchy, sketchy stuff. Like all of those sites are kind of weird, like Wish and Banggood, and there's all kinds of goofy ones I see popping up all over the place on Facebook. Yeah. Watch now that I mentioned it, you know, within three feet of my phone, I'm gonna start seeing it again, popping up in my yeah. feed. Oh, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean that that's pretty much it. Like. Uh, that's like I said really all I got going on as far as like the weekend and stuff and like the new stuff I mean um yeah so just like as usual collecting stuff whether I need it or not yeah oh I got to drive the new trail runner that was cool nice I didn't drive it, you like that? I didn't drive it a lot it was rad well I actually I got to drive a couple things for the first time this weekend so I got to drive my Tacoma for the first time the IFS Tacoma that has the epx kit on the back of it and that thing was beastly it was really funny because we we're just out late afternoon driving and stuff and like i the clearance issue with the skid and the arms and stuff like we were halfway through the course before i even like thought about it and was like man i like it, it was just a non-issue you know like we we stopped and we we're kind of bsing for a minute and i was like you know what i go now that i think about it this thing hasn't gotten hung up on anything like there's just it it's been a non-issue like that ifs truck was so impressive it worked so well i was just it was rad because i mean it's just you you see people posting online like oh sucks for crawling blah 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 but honestly dude like that thing worked really freaking good it was rad and then the trail runner i only drove just a little bit because i can't scratch it up yet because i need it for product photos and stuff but i had just taken a couple shots with the overland trailer behind it and stuff but uh one of uh our buddies jeremy kim got one and he actually had gotten his before me and he brought it out with the stock you know 1.55 wheels with i can't remember the size tires i think they're like a 3.85 but Dude, he absolutely owned that course with that thing. He was doing lines that, like, people with big tires were struggling with. Like, he, I mean, he just wheeled the crap out of that thing. It was so rad to watch, and I got a ton of video of it. So I, I'm really excited to get that posted up and kind of share that with everybody. But, I mean, he really made that thing do some work. It was pretty awesome to see. And there was two different guys that had tiny tires, and both of them just did fantastically well so it was, it was really cool nice 
Sorry, I was taking a sip of water because, like no, you said, fine. it's like a million degrees. It's a million degrees in here, so it's like. Well, I say so. a million. It's actually seventy-six in here, but for me, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is 80 degrees in here. That's too hot. That's way too hot for inside. Yeah. Well, should we take a look at some of our questions? This. Yeah, I got them right here. So ready to rock and roll whenever you're ready. I am ready. All right. So I know. Um, Andre Campos, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Scale Metal Supply, uh, wrote in twice. Uh, oh, no. Oh, here it is. Sorry. The second one that he did was a uh, example. So the first question, or I guess, yeah, it's one question. He said, what percentage of a build makes it a specific brand? Element, Axial, RC Foil Drive, dot, dot, dot. Like, when asked, what kind of truck is that, many of mine are bastards. Um, and he said, here's an example. He's, and it's a picture of one of his builds. It's an element chassis, RC foil drive leafs, and an axial skid. Hmm. So, um. That's not an I easy question to answer. Like, no, it's not. Because, like, I don't know. Let's, because I'm going to apply it to, like, real world, like, the real world trucks, you know? Because obviously, when people are building, you know, the real, you know, deal. They're, you know, they're not always using the same brand-specific parts. Like, take an example of my Chevy, the '94. The front axle is a Dana 60 out of a '79 F350, so it's a Ford axle. But I'm not going to call it a Ford truck because it's only got one part, you know, that's that's Ford. So the majority of it is, you know, Chevy. So I'm going to call it Chevy. Um, in that case, I mean, I think where it really gets hard, I think it's got to come down to, and this is just my opinion, not that it means anything, but like chassis, I think chassis and I think the chassis platform basically will, in my opinion, is what's going to define the rig because that's basically what you're starting with. So if it's, you know, you're starting with an element then I would say, oh, it's my element-based, in this case, leaf-sprung rig. So, you know, because it's starting off with element, and then there's some other parts that you've added into it. Um, or you can just start calling it Frankenstein. Yeah, I, I guess I have kind of a bastardized rig that I just built, and that's that it's a bomber cage with element drivetrain. So it's got element axles and element transmission, element links... So it's like, well, what, you know, what do you call that? Do you say it's element based? Do you say it's still an axial? Like, what is it at that point? And I don't know if there's really a good answer or not. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone really, I mean, not to sound like I'm like being, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like an ass or anything, but like, I, I, I don't know if enough people care about it necessarily to where they you know put a lot of thought into what brand it is or what it's based on you know like i i don't know you know what i'm trying to say like like i most people probably don't get hung up on like you know what to call it i guess is what you could say 
Well, I think I think the reason why he's asking this is because I I mean people have asked me this. I mean they always ask you that. Like you'll be out on trail, you'll be doing something, and unlike in the real world, like okay, you see a jeep coming down the trail, you're gonna be like, hey, your jeep's cool. What are the build specs? Whereas like in the RC world, you know you could have a Proline Jeep Gladiator body on a TRX4. You could have it on a uh, SCX102. You can have it on a enduro. So it's like you can't just see the body coming down and go, oh, that's that that's cool. You know, whatever. They always ask you, hey, what is that? Because I guess some people like if they like it, they want to see like, hey, can I buy that? Can I go out to the store and get that? So I think that's why some people ask. I'm not saying that's on you know Andre's you know right um, right right uh, no situation, it's a but... totally legit question. I'm just like I I think there's you know, like I was saying, it's just tough to answer. Yeah, I think for me, I would start with like that's why I said I would start with the chassis, kind of like the heart of the rig, right? Because everything else comes off. Because of, everything else comes off of that. Because I mean, for instance, look at the samurai. You know, there's so many people in the in the wheeling world that start off with a samurai. They ditch the stock axles, put you know full size axles underneath there from like a Toyota or even like. Uh, an old school F one fifty that's got you know um, like a Dana forty four in the front and a nine inch in the rear. Uh, you're not going to call it a Ford. You're still going to call it a Samurai because like the heart of it started as a Samurai. So it's like I don't know. That's the way I look at it. So I sure. take like what you mean, you know, what you started off with, and then kind of go from there. So I mean, yeah, because that's kind of a weird situation because you got. Like, with a car, it's the manufacturer of, like, the body and the chassis and everything is all in one. With RC, you've got, you know, the brand of the chassis, but you can literally put any brand body on it. So, I mean, it, it it's really tough to kind of draw the same type of comparison because it's like you said you know it's you know if there's a drift car that's got a ls in it and it's an import you know it's not a chevy now magically you know it's still whatever import brand it started out as it just does a chevy power plant so exactly so i don't know that's just the way i look at it i'm, I'm hoping that kind of answers andre's question like you know enough to be like yeah okay that makes sense but sure yeah like i said you know at the end of the day you just call it what you want i mean if you want to say oh it's a custom it's my custom creation it's a junkyard build because i used all these parts that i got laying around or i just built something to suit the needs that i was looking for i mean you know yeah that's how i would do it yeah no exactly so the next one is kenny good i just want to say keep recording uh really digging listening to all the episodes well thanks kenny thanks thank you for that's the awesome so, Chris Trudeau, um, I'm about to tackle building the IFS kit to install on my SCX-102. Any build tips? Uh, this would be a question for you. Just put it together and run it. It was it was actually a pretty fun build, putting that front end together. So just, you know, like you usually would do, just make sure everything's nice and tight. And if you need to Loctite a couple things, do it. Um, I had zero issues, just put it together, put some grease on the gears, and man, that was it. Like It, it was like one of the smoothest, easiest things I think I've done. 
Nice. Yeah, what's interesting is, uh, I mean, I've seen it done before, but he's doing the IFS conversion on the axial, so I think he has to get that 3D printed part to adapt it. Yeah, I saw one of those today. It actually looked, or not today, but this weekend, I mean, it looked really nice. It was Jeremy Kim, but the, uh, he brought out his drift car project that we were talking about last episode, so I got to see it in oh, person. Okay. Yeah, really cool. Nice. Um, also from Chris, he said, this is more of a general comment about respecting popular crawling areas. If your rig can't complete a particular section or line, it doesn't mean to chip away at the line so you can. It means work on your rig and improve it so you can make the line. Not every rig is going to make every obstacle. One of our popular lines has been dumbed down for less capable rigs, and it's sad. Just generally crawling etiquette in general. My biggest peeve is littering, cigarette butts, and leaving the trash in general. Oh, pack it God, out if yeah. you pack it in. I hate that. Yeah, the only thing, and I guess maybe I'll probably get a little, uh, what's the word, I guess, flack from this. Uh, the only thing I see that's like a little that like doesn't really bother me, like I get it when you're going somewhere and you're like, you're going there because you specifically want to like conquer, um, you know, like a, a challenging line and then it's been completely filled in. It's kind of like going on trail. Like, for instance, when we were up at Rubicon, when I first got there and Elio goes, are we going to take your truck out on the trail? Um, quickly, Greg Passmore goes, oh, I'd wait. He goes, it's pretty gnarly in there right now. And uh, so what happens is, like, you get the guys, like, in the side-by-sides or the smaller tire rigs going through, and they can't make it, so they start stacking rocks and filling in the low spots, and then they can get through, which makes a rig like my mine easier to go through, and it's not as challenging. Does it take away some of the fun? I guess that's up for you to decide. For me, it was kind of cool because, you know, I wasn't planning on pounding my truck through there, but at the same time, I wanted to enjoy what you know the trail was like so it worked i mean but at the same time i don't want to take my truck into something where i'm just pounding it through you know just to say you did it so i guess in the same thing with the with the crawler world is you know if i understand if you can't make it i guess the well typically what i usually see more times than none is actually the opposite like you get to an like event, and if you're not one of the first like, let's say there's a hundred cars, if you're not one of the first twenty, by the time you get to it, oh, it's almost impossible to do because it's so dug out. Because when people seem to not be able to get over it, it's skinny pedal down, and they just, and you just dig a rut, and it, you know, and that's typically what I see more than any, you know, anything else. Um, I mean, my myself, and I even know when I've been on trail even with like Elio when we're like out in our little group at some of these events if we see a bottleneck we might throw a couple rocks in there to make it a little bit you know more I guess easier to do mm -hmm. so it's not so challenging um, and I've never really saw anything like I said wrong with that because like in the real world you you know that's what you do like right. if you can't make it you're going to stack rocks until you can get up over the thing you know or pull out your sand ramps if you have them um, so I guess I mean I can see both sides of it. I can I can see where that'd be frustrating because like you're going okay I'm building this rig because I wanted to just chew up these like comp style lines, and you take it out there, and all of a sudden you're like, what is this? There's like the comp line disappeared. So I can understand that. Um, that's also the reason why. 
when, at least the last time I was setting up courses for an event, I like to kind of set up so you have the best of both worlds. Like, you'll see the eye for the hard line, and you're like, all right, this is like a pretty cool technical line. I think it's doable. You know, it's tested out. Oh, yeah, it's doable, but not everybody's going to see that. So let's widen out so they can almost have like a bypass, just like they would, like just like they do on the Rubicon. You know, if you don't think you can make it, you know, through this like tight rock squeeze, they have a bypass to go around it to keep going. So, you know, if you want the easier, you know, trail, you just keep going. Um, I kind of think that needs to be more, you know, brought into the RC. So that way you're giving people options when it's possible. I know not everybody can, you know, make a trail wide enough for essentially two rigs to go side by side down wherever they're going. But, you know, I think that would be an option maybe even for Chris's, you know, situation. You know, maybe they dig it back out or get it back to being challenging and then maybe kind of like put like a bypass for it. So if another rig that can't do it also wants to enjoy the trail, they can bypass yeah, we have, see, that's one of the things we did at the park, because we want to have, because you have, like, kids, beginners, and then more seasoned people all sharing the same trail system, so we've incorporated a lot of different, like, bypasses and stuff like that that you can take in alternate lines, and we ran into a situation where some guys were moving stuff so that they could get their rigs through, and, you know, when it's a park like that with designated lines and stuff, like, you don't just take it upon yourself after people have built it to just go ahead and change it and make it to where it suits you. You know, that isn't, that's not the way it works. Um, what what you do in this situation is, you know, if you got to pick your car up, you pick it up. Otherwise, you know, we encourage you to winch, tow strap, whatever, like you would in the real world. But you don't change the course just because the rocks and things like that that we have there we've had to bring in and so we've had to like lock them in with dirt and topsoil and stuff in between everything so don't just like roll away when you drive over them so there's a lot of work that's gone into the trail system there to make sure that the you know you're on stable footing when you're driving on this stuff and if you just decide oh i'm just going to start digging this out and moving this you know it's like no that's that's not cool you know it's private property um on public land i I don't think on public land you should mess with anything, whether it's stacking rocks or chiseling stuff away or digging or anything like that. You know, if you're at a park or national forest land or anything like that, like you drive the terrain that your truck can handle and that's it. You know, you don't take it upon yourself to change it because then you can start having people getting upset. I mean, we we had a situation where a guy up here got yelled at because um, he keeps going to the same spot over and over and over again. There's a lot of dirt there, and it's starting to get pretty dug out from a lot of RC traffic. And this is a hiking trail at a city park, and it's starting to cause some erosion issues and stuff. So, you know, public land, I'd say no, you know. But if it's like your secret spot or your buddy's house or whatever, then, you know, Whatever, it's it's up to the people that built the course. But I, I wouldn't recommend altering the terrain at all. You know, stick to that whole tread lightly philosophy and don't mess with stuff. That's that's just kind of my advice and stance on it, I guess you could say. 
Yeah, no, and like I said, I totally understand both sides of it. Right. I was just I was just applying with the stuff that I see, like like I said, when you're out on Rubicon, which like I said is a little different. It's it is a it's not a privately owned um, trail. It is a state, you know, trail. But at the same time, they're not. I mean, it's it's designed to be driven over. Right. So it's, it's a designated like, off-road area, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a so it's story. So when you're moving a rock here and there, it's not the, the guys aren't out there with the rotor hammers, you know, yeah, trying to chisel yeah, out. Yeah. No. You know, it's they're moving what, Yeah. They're moving what they can actually physically move and calling it a day. Right. Yeah. Which in 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 those situations when you're wheeling on that stuff, I mean, yeah, that's totally expected. I mean. You stack rocks and move yeah. stuff. Like like what you're saying with being that like die hard is is like a man made, you know, built it's a man built obstacle, you know, trail. You're not gonna want to change all that because yes, it's been built to be what it is. Yeah. So exactly. it should not be messed with. Um but yeah, 'cause every 'cause I guess I should have you know, kind of rephrased what I was saying like every time we've moved a couple rocks to kind of make the obstacle a bit easier it's always been like we were out at like Bear River at Crawford Cure we were trying to right know, we yeah saw, well and we it's saw, little oh. stuff there you know you're not doing big changes and stuff and I mean no. yeah totally you know different kind of situation so but yeah so hopefully that um, helps uh, Chris out with that um, Darwin Bonk, uh, how often do you rebuild a rig and what do you include in a rebuild? Uh, example, fresh grease, bearing, shock oil. Um, well, I don't know if I'm one of the best people to be asking this question because um, a lot of my rigs I don't ever really rebuild. Um, they kind of just get built and run and that's it. Like if I know, like if, I, if I'm doing a change and I'm tearing something apart, at that time, I'll kind of like, you know, check it out, see if it needs, you know, new grease or whatever, or like if the shocks stop working properly or to what I call working properly, then I'll check to make sure they got shock oil and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, some people, you know, like you got your hardcore, you know, like racer background guys, like a lot of the U4 guys they're rebuilding their rigs once a week you know because they'd race it beat it up break it they tear it apart make sure it's all perfect because you know they're looking for that legal winning edge to you know possibly win the race so they're going to want their rig working you know like a like a top tier all the time yeah so if that means tearing it down once a week tear it down once a week um your average trail person is prop i mean i'm not i'm not gonna exaggerate this they probably your average person probably doesn't even touch their rig yeah i think most people don't i mean like like you said with a race rig it's a different story because i don't know i mean well let me back up a little bit so like with all my stuff more than anything i clean them not necessarily rebuild but i just go through and clean everything and when you really do like a deep clean on an rc car it's a great time to inspect for damage or things that are worn out so that you don't have something broke on the trail or a DNF like you would with racing and like with U4. So, I mean, with U4, the abuse those cars take, I mean, yeah, I could see, you know, rebuilding it prior to every race. And that usually consists of a very thorough inspection, 
make sure everything's greased up and you know take a look at the shocks see if they're leaking or need rebuilt um shock oil gets very very dirty much easier than most people realize and so probably the one like thing that i rebuild more often than anything is just my suspension like i've got a pet peeve about leaky shocks and luckily that that's been kind of a thing of the past with the element rigs because they have awesome shocks that don't leak so that's been kind of nice but uh yeah like you said i mean aside from that you know just cleaning them and you know inspecting that's really about as far as i go which is pretty much all i do too i mean um typically almost uh like after every run i usually get back to the house um i take some air kind of blow off a lot of like the dust and dirt to kind of see if i see anything that needs like any kind of attention then i usually throw it down uh get out my uh, cow rc moo clean and spray it all down let it sit for a little bit air dried off again ready to go i that's typically all i do i don't i don't really go above and beyond um the only time i really get into like, like oh okay this should have you know like I should repack the you know the the grease inside the diffs or whatever is like if I'm opening it up to change something like which I've done in the past like you get a rig uh, and let's say you get it ready to run you're running it and you're all like oh okay I want to upgrade to overdrives in the front or you want to change out from uh, dog bones to uh, you know actual uh, CV axles uh, what I'll typically do then is I'll open it up take it apart you know make you know add more grease or whatever needs to be done then you know add in the part that i'm doing i don't you know i rarely ever just take it out the way it is and put it back that's when i typically do a once over yeah so um and then like the bearing thing is i only really change the bearings when i see that there's bad bearings so like if I see something that's like super rusty and nasty, like this rig has been around for a while, it's been in and out of water, that's when I'll and I see it's like all rusty, I'll go, oh okay, better change out some bearings. But otherwise, yeah. I don't go through a lot of bearings, do you? No, I yeah, I, same no. here. I hear about people, oh bearings are garbage or yeah, like I just I don't know. I I'm either lucky or really easy on my stuff or a combination of the two because like I just typically don't have any problems with stuff like i'm just really fortunate that way yeah for me it's like i mean i've had the occasional like and this is like i said this probably i noticed this more because like i said i'd be more like it, would, it was more common for me to upgrade my older rigs because like i had this conversation with with todd norton the other day um you know back when i had like my original like the og scx 10s like you had to upgrade those they did not come pretty built from the factory so you were throwing better season knuckles you were throwing you're getting rid of the plastic locker and putting in a spool excuse me a spool you were putting in you know uh overdrive gears or hardened gears or whatever like you know you were doing stuff to modify it to become a better rig so that was when i'd start noticing things like i remember like i was like oh i'm gonna get rid of the plastic wheels and i'm gonna go with some you know aftermarket aluminum and you take it off and then you're doing something and you notice like one of the bearings on the knuckle is like super rusty and you're like oh well you know i didn't run it through all that water and maybe i didn't clean it off well enough and that's why it's rusty and you're like eh, you know it still spins but if i have an extra bearing i'll pop it out put a new one on so it's not rusty and 
I mean, that was like the only time I'd ever change a bearing. Um, otherwise, like I said, I've like you, I'm either super lucky or I'm just not doing it right, and I've never had to really change bearings like one blew out or seized up or anything. Which is nice. Oh yeah, no, I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, that's just my experience. I kind of have a feeling like you and I kind of take care of our rigs the same. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. And like I said, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I just, like I said, I don't like putting them away dirty. So, like, when I get back from a trail run, like I said, the first thing I do is blow it off, use the Cow RC products, clean it up, and put it back on. You know, then I put it on the shelf once it's all been dried. Um, You know, I don't, like I said, it's very rare for me. I mean, like, yeah, there's times where I get back from a trip and it's late and I'll throw it, you know, in the shop and just let it sit there. But before I actually put it up on the shelf, it, it'll get cleaned. I don't usually put it away dirty. I mean, I know there's some people that are like, I don't even wash it from the last trip. I just pull it out again and keep going. Which there is kind of a cool... I mean, I mean, it is... Like, the simplicity of that is kind of cool. Like, you just drive it and have fun, and it doesn't take up any more of your time than just that, you know? But, like, I, I know with me, with having the equipment and stuff that we do here, like it all has to be kept pretty clean, you know, so I can't really have a lot of dust and dirt float around because it can get under laminate and stuff and just make a mess. So for me, a large portion of not having dirty rigs is just because I need to keep the shop clean in a nice environment. So that's kind of part of what I'm cursed with. It'd be nice to just throw it on the shelf some days when I'm not feeling it, but that's uh, not really the way it works, unfortunately, here. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. So the next question is Jeremy Joseph Olson. And since I saw adequate uh, mentioned, I have one. I was at a brick-and-mortar RC hobby shop today. Let's not say which shop, just call it RC hobby shop. A kid was in the store with an abortion of a build that had multiple different plugs in line for electronics. Example, the battery had a Dean plug, another type on the wires from the battery to the ESC. This was one of many issues. After about 45 minutes, he talked him into a Hobbywing ESC and offered to clean up the plugs and help install it. Then he said, oh, I can get that for $10 cheaper online. <laughs> when I get it, I will be back uh, for you to help me wire it up. No. Um, please, he said, um, please support your local uh, brick-and-mortar hobby shop. Some people really so, think that way, even grown-ups. Well, no. Oh, well... Okay, being in the line of work that I'm in, in construction, I can't tell you how many times, you know, like, you deal with, like, two different kinds of clients. I have clients that are like, I don't want the hassle. You supply the lights. You supply the smoke detectors. You supply the, the, the faucets. You supply the little, like, you know, whatever it is, you know. You supply the toilet. Whatever the object is that I'm installing, they want you to supply it. Okay, um, that's sometimes I, I I'm okay with it. Lately, I've been more like I'll supply it as far as I'll go pick it up for you at the store or whatever. But you need to still under, like know what you want because I don't want that kind of like free reign to like pick like some sconce on the wall and you're like no I don't like that you know. But bottom line, what I'm getting at is 
you know, I've had clients that are like, you go to the store and pick it all up. And then I give them the bill and they don't care. They don't squawk. They don't – nothing. Then I got other clients that are like, they want to break down because they want to know how much I'm charging for this, how much the part is and this, that, and the other because I've had them say it. Oh, I could find that you know, cheaper online. And I always go, okay, fine. Then supply the part. You supply the part. I will still install. I mean, I'll still install it. But the bottom line is, you got to remember when these hobby shops put a price on something. Okay, the g name of the game is to make money. Yes, it's not to gouge the customer because the bet the thing you want is you want that clientele to come back and spend more money. So if you rip them off, they're going to be like, "I'm never coming back here again." You know, it's outrageous. So it's it is a fine dance that you know um, any retail store does. Now the issue with this one is, and I get it, it's a kid, but that's when I think that kind of you know life lesson needs to be taught. Yes, you could purchase something online. Yes, it could be cheaper, but you also got to remember, like I said, which I go through all the time in my profession. If you supply the part and there's an issue, you're dealing with any kind of warranty or returns or whatever it is. And there is no, you know, that's not my issue. You know, so in this case, yes, that kid could go buy the ESC online for, you know, $15 cheaper or whatever. Great. But if that ESC has an issue, you you can now not go to the art, to that hobby shop and say look I'm having an issue with this you know you, you know you need to fix it well you supplied the parts so now that's on you to get it you know figure it out whether that's get a hold of you know in this case hobby wing and file a you know a warranty claim or whatever it is whereas a lot of these hobby shops you buy the part from there they're going to do their best to help you out to get you back up and running because they supplied the part right so there's a give and take to some of this you know like so you got to remember that yeah you could be saving $15 but in the end that could be a $15 headache that comes back and bites you in the butt right and what people don't understand is like there's a good deal on something you know like a good price and then there's something that is a good value and a good value is different than the price because when you buy something like an ESC from that shop and they offer to go in and clean it up, that is a good value. You are getting not just the product. You might be paying a little bit more for it, but they are helping you with the car and offering to fix some areas that need fixing. Now, if you're like, oh, I'll just, you know, save 10 bucks and buy it online. Well, you get to go through the hassle of returning it to the manufacturer and dealing with all that. And at the end of the day, all your wiring still sucks and you have mismatched plugs and everything. Okay. And you've got to do it all yourself. I, I mean, it's a kid, so it's, you know, like you said, that's a good teaching opportunity, um, for that kid. But I've seen it happen at hobby stores before where, you know, a guy will bring something in and, you know, the person will go through and kind of, you know, clean it up and fix it and everything. And like a lot of times you've just earned that customer for life. There are some customers, though, that just flat out do not care about value or anything like that. 
and just want to buy it online. The flip side to that is that next time you are, you know, if enough people are buying online and not supporting a local hobby shop, that local hobby shop's no longer going to be there. So if there's a track there or anything like that, that's gone now. And, you know, the next time it's a Saturday and you break something and you wanted to go hit the trail on Sunday, well, you can go to your local hobby store and pick those parts up. That's part of the value of having that available to you and doing business with them. But if enough people only care about price and nothing else, well, guess what? That hobby shop's not around anymore next time you need something. And furthermore, you know, you're kind of spitting in their face when you're like, oh, I can get it cheaper online. Like, that that's pretty rude and inconsiderate, you know. It's like, I, I just, I don't know. It, it's it's the wrong thing. And some people, you're, you're never going to get them to change. But, you know, it's also a good teaching opportunity for people, too. And I think, in, especially in that kid's case, a lot of people just don't think of that sort of thing like oh man if i shop somewhere else and everybody does that too then this place isn't around anymore when i need them yeah the other thing too and like i said i don't want to go down that rabbit hole and say you know anybody's bad at like you know quote unquote parenting or whatever but like especially a child kid i mean he could call them a kid and that's the unfortunate thing we don't know was he 12 14 16 i mean there's some people that call kids in their early 20s or you know people in their early 20s kids right you know so it's like we don't really know you know how old he was so i can't say that but nine out of ten times they learn from somebody else so clearly they've seen their parents they've seen a friend's parents they've seen somebody of older some somebody has given that you know has, has said that you know, oh, I can get that cheaper online. You know, they don't just come up with that on their own. I mean, there are your, you know, like they always say, the kids say the darnest things. There are some of the kids who, like, legitimately don't know, and they just blurt out things, and they, you know, like I said, if this is actually a younger kid, you can just be like, oh, I can get that cheaper online. Yeah, that you know. makes sense, you know. But, but bottom line, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's te- like we we're saying, it's a teachable moment, it's a time to be like, you know, and that's when the shop has the, actually the opportunity to say, well, that's fine, and yeah, we'll still install it for you, but that's when you kind of got to lay down those, you know, that fine print. Right, you, you know, know like, something's wrong with it, don't bring it back, I'm not going to help you, I'm not going to warranty it for you, you can warranty it through the online retailer you bought it from, I mean, there's there's a lot of conversation that can take place there after that, you know? Yeah, exactly, and and you know and and the unfortunate thing with that too is it's like you know you're a lot a lot of hobby shops you know or actually a lot of retail stores period you know the money comes from selling products you know especially in like a hobby shop like you know like them selling a set of tires or uh, a motor esc a remote whatever it is that's where they make their money because you know they get the products from the wholesaler um, and they get it for a little bit of a markdown price, so that way they can put the markup price to keep it what you would see online, so they can make some money, you know, in return. When you, you know, when you're shopping online, you're not dealing with somebody who's, you know, really having to have all this, you know, like overhead as far as like rent, employees, all this stuff. Typically, it's 
an office building, so they don't have to have a storefront. They don't have to have people coming in and out and all this stuff. It's a lot small. Like sometimes it's a small operation, sometimes it's bigger. Um, but you don't have the same stuff that goes into when you have, you know, the hobby shop that you're physically at. But it still comes down to exactly what you said. If people get too accustomed to ordering online, you're just gonna run out the small shops, and that is the one thing, you know. And like I've said, I don't want to make this like a political thing, but that is the one thing I have noticed ever since this, you know, the COVID stuff started, is it's really pushed that whole um, order everything online because you know. You, the stores are shut down or you want to do social distancing so you don't want to go into the store so you're ordering online and it's like it's kind of like a double-edged sword you're setting up you know the next generation to rely solely on ordering online and you're going to just eliminate the storefronts and it's going to be a trickle effect because it's not just going to be hobbies it's going to be like anything yeah you know? that's very true so it's just like I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a time that I kind of like am getting a little, you know, kind of like nervous about. And as far as like that, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a issue. lot changing. There's like everything that we know is changing, you know. Which is actually a like I know it has nothing to do with RC, but I just have a quick question to ask you. Um, have you heard anything about uh, you know, change? coin change um up in your area being hard to get yes um almost any place that i've been into they have there's some sort of a shortage so they i see ones fives and tens that they need and then a lot of places don't have change like they don't have coins at all i don't know what's going on then i saw some other uh post today about all of a sudden i guess there's people are moving towards like a cashless society or something. I don't know if that's people just reading too much into it. I mean, when the coin shortage makes sense because when you are ordering online, like what you and I are talking about right now, you were taking physical currency out of circulation, you know, because you're not at stores exchanging it and getting change back and spending that somewhere else. If everybody's in their home, and they're ordering online and things like that, that physical currency isn't being circulated. So I don't know if it's conspiracy theory people like reading too deep into it, thinking we're going to go cashless so that everybody can be tracked as far as location and what they spend their money on. I, I don't know. But uh, all I know is I, I have seen signs around talking about a shortage. Well, see, I was, I was just curious because I was actually talking with Michelle about that before we did the show tonight um, because uh, we actually have friends asking us if we have small change laying around like coins and they want to give us the cash equivalent for it but they want the small you know change because they can't get it and it's just kind of like you know and it's one of those things it's like you know and it's like I don't want to like sound naive but it's like is this going to be the whole toilet paper incident right, over again? Right. Everyone going to freak <laughs> out and think that, oh my gosh, there's going to be no more toilet paper. So when we see it, we got to hoard it all. You know, like is that what's going on? My granddad's like, coin collection just tripled in value. <laughs> see, and that's you get what I'm saying. Like, see, so that's right, I'm right. Like, I'm like curious to see, like, you know, it's just one of those things, like, 
what we were talking about, like the actual physical transactions and like dealing with like, you know, your mom and pop, you know, shops and stuff, like what's going on. Um, and because the other reason why I kind of brought it up is it is interesting because uh, like, for instance, there's a chain, I don't know, if, I don't know if it's just a California thing or if it's in other states, but there's a drive up coffee place called Dutch Brothers. Right, yeah. And they're very they're very popular in California. Um, I don't know how far south they go. They're huge in I, Oregon and in parts of Washington. Like Oregon, it's there's, you know, two to three in most decent sized cities. Oh, okay. So cuz I do know in California, the closest one for myself is not until you hit like I want to say I think it's out in, it's either out in the valley or getting closer to Sacramento and then from Sacramento up like going towards Chico and all that stuff there's like in Sacramento area and and up in Auburn there's like they're all over the place but anyways they were one of the first ones when all this stuff happened like I pulled up and I had like my stamp rewards card I had my cash ready because I knew like what the total is for the drink and they're like oh we're not taking cash right now and you're like <laughs> what, what? And it's like, oh, due to everything, we're trying to, like, keep the amount of, like, physical, you know, uh, interaction down to a minimum. And I'm still sitting here thinking about it, like, okay, I get it, you know, money is supposed to be the dirtiest thing. But um, you're using a credit card that's in your wallet or wherever you keep it, okay? You're sliding it into a machine, okay? For lack of a better term, that machine is now turning into, like, the village core and everybody's cards going into it so it's like you're really not solving any problems yeah but money's my... a lot more porous you know true so i mean it it is gonna have more germs than something like plastic that isn't as porous but i don't know i mean i stuff like that i'd normally just don't really care about you know or really give much thought to just because like Especially when it's a business like that that handles food and drinks and stuff. Like, it kind of makes sense, but I don't know. There, There's other... I mean, I get, like, I've seen people post so far even, like, talking about, you know, this is legal currency and blah, 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 and businesses have to take it. It's the law, and I mean, it. you know, I, I, I don't know if it's necessary for people to get that up in arms about i feel like it's more just like everybody's kind of doing what they can to limit other people's exposure and you know if that's truly what's going on then you know cool i'm on board i guess you know yeah the i guess really the only reason why i kind of like brought that up and you know was because it kind of i guess went to my last um kind of like point to all that is um, you know what happens when now you got people okay and I'm not saying go out and do this but there are some people they don't want their significant others they don't want you know and kids don't want their parents knowing how much they're spending on stuff you know so they use the cash because typically with the cash you don't get the paper receipt to come behind it or or the wife doesn't see your credit card bill you know or so on and so forth um, so What's going to happen to all these people that like to splurge when they have cash? You know, what are you going to do? You like that? That you're just. I think you're eliminating that, and in, and in, in a way, I think it's going to impact the hobby. 
Yeah, I think so because I, I mean, what? It's probably daily we see something on Facebook about some dude like, hey, what's the best way to hide stuff from your wife? <laughs> you know, like, I think all of us have seen multiple posts, you know, a couple times a week, somebody asking that question, like, how do I hide this? Yeah, and like I said, which we don't, you know, we don't condone. Right. But, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, people ask it, you know, we're going to do our best to answer it. Sure. You know, so. Side note, though, but, before we move on to the next one, Dutch Brothers, are the people there where you go just... Like, their employees, just super, super friendly. They're all like that. Dude, they have the best service of any coffee outfit that I've been to. Like, just super nice and polite, always upbeat and smiling and stuff. Like, there's only one other place I've been to, and there's, like, there's a city near us called Marysville, and there's one Taco Bell there that I don't know if they pay their employees really well or not. It's a newer location, really nice store. But, dude, it is, like, the nicest, friendliest employees of any fast food joint I've ever been to. You know, and, like, I always have had kind of, like, a soft spot in my heart for people who have service-oriented jobs like that because they kind of get shit on a lot, you know? And so, like, I always try to be friendly and stuff and tell them to have a good day, you know, because chances are, you know, three cars ago they got screamed at for, you know, an order getting wrong or something like that. And you know it just but I, I just was curious if that was like just a local thing with dutch brothers like the one i went to in when i lived in oregon if it was just a fluke or if they were just all super super friendly no honestly i think that's part of their i, I want to say that's part of their company policy like you have to be like kind of like bubbly friendly you know energetic because like I used to always make the joke that you know you'd pull up to the window and they're almost hanging out the window into your car trying to get your like order and like talk to you to see like what's going on and they're always asking you know yeah it's, it's like, awesome. it was always a joke it was always a joke like oh calm down stay inside in the car with me like you know like but like you know it is nice to see it and honestly that like since we're still talking about that I'm just gonna you know it's kind of like the other reason why I'm kind of like a big I guess tipper would be the best way to say it. Right. Like I believe in giving tips. Like typically, I mean, like I've always been that way is, you know, because you got to think about it. Like they're, they're doing a service that like, you know, like, yes, you are going there and you're paying for that service. But at the same time, if they're taking the extra like effort to be like super like friendly or, you know, like they're just having an awesome attitude about it, you know, it, it it helps it like shows incentive like hey you're doing a good job like i mean if there's if there's one thing that that just like really peeves me is i is i can't stand the people especially when like you got like the big family or the big group of friends and they're like standing in line because now that it's getting warmer i mean i'll probably see it more like we can go to cold stones and they bring in like 12 kids they're getting they want all this like the order every single one of them's got a custom order all this stuff they get all the way to the end sir your toll's gonna be 35 something okay and they hand them like 36 bucks and you're like oh keep the change oh a whopping 20 cents for making 12 ice creams like you know you know i get it that's their job but i mean come on like you know like those aren't well-paying jobs and honestly if you get good service reward the person you know I mean, do somebody exactly. a solid. I mean, just be a cool human being. 
Oh, yeah, and that's why, like, especially with, like, Dutch Brothers, it's kind of funny, and I don't know, like I said, if it's because up there it might be a different, like, way of doing things than, like, how I do things being from the Bay Area, but, like, I always I always find it funny, like, we we get our drink, and they go, okay, this whole's going to be da-da-da-da, and, like, you know, you do the card, and they go, and they go, you don't have to do this, but they ask us all the time, like, it asks you as part of the prompt, do you want to do a tip? You can do a dollar, two dollar, three dollar, or other, and I always say, oh, yeah, do the two dollars, because we usually get two drinks, so I figure a dollar a drink, you know, it's pretty yeah, pretty sure. fair, you know, they're making something, you know, yeah, it's, it's like, probably 20% or so. You know, and it's like, they always go, oh, wow, thank you, like, you know, it's like, what, people say no all the time, because it's like, you know, you actually, like, you seem genuinely shocked that, like I said, you know, two dollars, so it's like, Am I missing something here? Like, did the person behind me go, <laughs> no? Well, you know, I mean, it could be one of those situations, too, where they're just super grateful that people are nice to them. You know, I mean, like, those jobs aren't fun. Like, there was a time that I was in a McDonald's in uh, Stanwood, and it was around breakfast time, and they were slammed. I mean, just people everywhere. And this poor girl, there was just one girl on the register trying to handle all this stuff and everything, and she's like trying to make everybody happy and stuff and like i'm trying to order and there was like two or three people that came up and interrupted you know because they had whatever issue and so like me not thinking how i said it exactly like i think i kind of like scared her to death at first because i was like i said hey is your manager here and she kind of looks at me like you know her heart just kind of sank and so she goes and gets her manager and i was and so i said hey i said just so you know this young lady here has been busting her ass the entire time that I've been standing here. She's been super friendly with everybody and has done a great job, has maintained her composure and still has a smile. So I just wanted to point out to you the excellent job that she's doing. And like they were so taken back, like, whoa, really? Okay. You know, like it's just people don't hear that stuff enough, you know? No, and see, and that's the thing I think, you know, needs to be kind of like, I guess reinserted into our values. You know, <laughs> so, so yeah, because like I mean nowadays, so many people. It's like like you know, there's no incentive. You know, it's almost like people expect things to be a certain way, and like if it doesn't go that way, they're like appalled. You know, it's like no, like you know, if somebody's doing something, like I, I think it goes both ways. If somebody's being flat out horrible, and like you, like I mean, legitimately horrible like you know the there's a line out the door they're taking their sweet time you know getting your you know processing your order or they're giving you attitude for no reason you know eat whether that reason may be oh they're just pissed off because they can see the line going out to timbuktu and they know oh great i gotta deal with all this you know that's still not like a reason to be a jerk you know like i think both ways it needs to be accounted for it'd be like hey look dude you know be a little bit nicer, you know, or ma'am, you know, be a little nicer, you know, it, you know, ki- you know, uh, kindness will go a long way. Um, and the other thing too, if they're doing a good job, they're they're busting butt. They, you know, like you're at a restaurant, they take your order, they don't even write it down, but they got everything perfect, and you're like, whoa, like this person takes pride in their work, you know, like that's pretty cool, like you know, just like give them a compliment, even just saying, hey, good job, you know, like right. it goes a good way. Yeah, so, I am. I'm a huge fan of positive reinforcement. Huge fan. Oh of yeah, it. it's 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 kind of funny sitting here listening to us. Like, dude, you and I are fully just gonna turn into those like 
grouchy old men that you know ain't nobody got the values that (laughs) that we had back when i you know like because it's already happening like we see like just how disconnected everything is now and you know i mean there's still you know i saw just this week a couple instances where people are just blowing up a brand online because something didn't go their way and they didn't reach out to the brand to make it right and you know just the typical bs and it's like you know well screw it i don't have to see them face to face i'm gonna say whatever i want you know it's like there's that disconnect and i think that you know we're lacking that old-fashioned morals and values that you and i were taught when we were kids you know and it that's kind of just something that's slowly disappearing as people kind of withdraw into themselves with everything being online and automated now well because what it comes down to is nobody's nobody has to deal with the repercussions anymore that's the problem it's it's there's no repercussions for anything yeah you know it's you know if somebody like i mean i i I do it just because i like to feel like you know in the end i've you know followed my quote-unquote moral compass like you know like when i was like when i was younger most kids you know they never want to admit they're wrong they never want to be like wrong about anything they want everything right they want it to be the way they want it everything so it's like you know you always like deny 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 it's some i i don't know what age it was but one at one point i hit an age where i was like you know i started like i just would own up to my mistakes no you know what that's my mistake okay i screwed up i didn't realize you know because when you realize that you've screwed up and you realize that you you know it's it's a human thing everybody has mistakes and you can you know that's a a self-teaching point you know and move on you know it's not the end of the world and i think nowadays the problem is everybody's so worried about being right and not being wrong <laughs> yeah they can never be like oh i'm sorry and it's funny you brought up the thing about blasting people online because i'm not going to bring up any names but i've witnessed it numerous times and there's so many times i've wanted to be like that guy to poke the bear like when they make a post like they deliberately are not going with this company you know, and you know exactly what company they're talking about because they drop hints and they go, well, because they couldn't answer the email and they couldn't get back to me in a manly time, or, you know, um, I'm going to go with, you know, said company for this product. And then three weeks go by and they're now bitching about that company because they're taking their sweet time. They didn't get it done in a manageable time and this, that, and the other. I almost want to be like, so are you upset you went with this company or do you wish you now would have went with the original company you should have went with like where are you at with this because it looks like the same thing all over again and you're going to get nowhere right so it's just like and there's so many times i've wanted to say that and point it out but it's like i'm not gonna you know i don't know i just don't believe in the whole facebook war that's just not my oh it's dude it's so stupid and like we finally, God, we finally got rid of this dude that was at our local drag scene, and he was just Mr. Facebook Warrior and just all over everything, and man, oh man, like, I the drag racing crowd, I didn't think it was possible, like, but the racing crowd's a little tense, there's some pettiness, the scale crawler thing, up until drag racing has been like the king of petty and the king of, you know, online dickheads, but now it's drag racing, the drag racing has gotten to the point where it's just people are just flat out belligerent online and just idiots, 
it's getting so bad. I mean, the one that I was kind of referring to is a dude upset that his wheels showed up from J Concepts, these chrome-plated wheels, and they were, uh, you know, it's chrome-plated plastic. It's vacuum plating. It's a very thin film to begin with, and it's not known. I mean, almost everybody knows this chrome-plated plastic, even on toys when you were a kid, the shit doesn't hold up. Like, it rubs off or flakes off eventually, you know? It's like, yeah. those are like your shelf queen wheels or something. Like, didn't even contact J Concepts or anything like that. Just lit them up, and oh, they had one chance to keep me as a customer, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude you can take your 24 bucks and shove it up your ass. Like, honestly, they don't care about you after this. I mean, if you would have like reached out to them to make it right, but instead you tried to do this big moral tough guy stance in front of everybody on Facebook and just get all this attention. And, you know, you're seeking validation from everybody else, you know, Oh yeah, that is bullshit. They need to be held accountable. You know, it's like, I, I think a lot of it is just the drag racing scene. There's a lot of new people that don't understand RC and they don't know how to act. And it it's just, it's sucking the fun right out of it already. It, it's terrible to see. I mean, what, Tim Smith parted ways with NPRC already because he just got tired of the verbal beatings he would take, you know, almost daily from people. I mean, I understand. Well, yeah, nobody wants to do that. I mean, it's a hobby for crying out loud and that's the and that's the part it's like you know um last week when uh i did the shout out and i feel really bad because i forget his name right now but the one about the hearst and he was totally like you know he's like come on the toy cars you know yeah that guy was rad you know it's like see that's the way things need to be handled because it's like and i get it you know your stuff's gonna get the best of you there's times but that's when you step back and say look I'm sorry, I screwed up. Because honestly, and like I said, maybe this is just the way I view it. If you're gonna be a big douche about something, and then you and you apologize and admit that you were being a douche, that speaks more than trying to sweep it under the rug or pretend that you were never in the wrong and that everybody else was wrong. Because then you're just piling on the issue oh, instead yeah. of you know so that's my whole thing like like i said you could be like the like like i said you could be the biggest you know douche in the world but if you come out at the end and say oh look i'm sorry shouldn't have acted that way you know i apologize it, it that speaks you know volume oh yeah it's absolutely the people, it's the people that just continue to say nope you were wrong da, 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 and then you come up with another excuse and it's kind of like what you said it's like they want validation from everybody else I don't understand, like, you know, maybe this is harsh to say. It's like, did everybody miss a couple hugs when they were little? Because it's like, everybody wants validation now. Everybody wants somebody on their side. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I really don't understand that. I mean, I don't know. I don't think us talking about it really fixes anything. I mean... Oh, no. I, we would like to think it does, obviously. You know, and, and in my book, if somebody's listening to this right now, and they've kind of been like hey, you know what, I didn't think of it that way, or you know what, I probably should have just contacted a manufacturer first before freaking out on Facebook. Like, you know, they're toy cars. They're not, you know, you don't rely on it to earn a living by driving it to work every day. You know, it's 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 a toy car. I mean, they're for fun. This is a fun thing. That's why it's a hobby. And well, if we can get just even a couple people turned around from that type of behavior, then cool. But I mean... I don't know. I mean, there's guys I've had blowouts with, like, 
in person or online and I see them, you know, like later on and then they try to be like, you know, oh, hey, you know, I didn't mean nothing by it, blah, 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 I was having a rough day. Like nine times out of ten, we end up being cool with it afterwards, but it usually takes that like personal confrontation to put it out all on the table to really end up squashing something. But the safety net of the Internet is just not helping anybody <laughs> right now you know it's like no tensions are already high and like i mean see i saw just the other day two dudes talking about going to blows and beating each other's ass over toy cars dude it was unreal yep well it's like uh like i have an actual positive story that i want to share i'm only not going to use the individual's name they are a listener of our show if they give us the permission to use it because i mean, you know this is one of those things it's like spur of the moment we're not really like it wasn't like planned so i didn't have this ready ahead of time but um it's uh the the example and the story i'm going to go with is uh he is a gentleman who uses mks products um and he you know got a hold of me and said hey look you know i you know i know you're uh really you know tight with mks and you know you talk you know thomas and all that stuff a lot he goes um I have a question. My servos, he goes, I got two of the same servos, and I put them in two different cars. One car's got this, and one car's got that, per your recommendation, and the one is not working the way the other one does, doing two different things. And I'm going, hmm, interesting. So I said, can you, you know, show me a video, like, or can you kind of tell me what it's doing so I can kind of help diagnose, like, oh, no, 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 you have this wrong, or, oh, okay, what's the problem? Right. Anyways, he goes through, he actually takes his time, makes a video, shows me what's going on, and I said, wow, I've never seen one do that. I said, I'm, no, I'm not going to speak for Thomas and MKS, but I'm going to say I don't think that is the way the servo is supposed to work. So I think your best bet is get a hold of Thomas and MKS, and I'm sure he'll help you resolve the issue. Right. And he said, okay, cool, thanks. Um, he could have easily got on Facebook and said, this company is a joke. Uh, they sent me out products. They don't work the way they're supposed to work. And then one of their um, drivers said to do this, and I'm copying what they said, and now that's – you know, like totally could have just blown it out of proportion. Right. But they handled it in what I call the respectable way. You're handling it, you know, and it's – and from my understanding – it's getting resolved because I've been kind of like three way and I've been like, or the middleman. Sure. And I was, you know, I'm talking to Thomas and Thomas is like, Oh yeah, I found the email. Sorry. I haven't gotten back to him. You know, uh, you know, it's been hectic. Um, I sent him out, um, you know, all the information to do a warranty claim. So it's like, cool. So it's been handled. See, it's everything was handled. Yeah. It's not a big old deal. And yes, we get it. It's a frustrating thing, you know. You have to wait time. Now there's time. You got to wait for another product to show up, but in the end, it's gonna work. You got taken care of, and you feel good about spending your money with those people because MKS did take care of you. Yeah, but like I said, you you know, there's there's proper times for certain things. Now, you know, and I and I know it's we're kind of like on a weird topic of like intermingling what's going on with RC in real life and, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. and like whatever but it's kind of like the issue I'm having with the company Quadratech we placed a big order 
for a bunch of parts for Michelle's Jeep. And knowingly, two parts were considered back-ordered. One was definitely back-ordered. The other one said it was ready to ship out in like two weeks. Do you still want to place the order? We said, sure, not a problem. Place the order. Well, the one product turned into, okay, it, was, it wasn't ready to ship from them. They turned it into a direct-from-supplier item, meaning that the, the item we were ordering was going to come directly from that manufacturer instead of through Quadratech. So we got charged for it. We're going on like two and a half months. I can't get anyone on the phone. I can't get anyone to return an email. I, I can't get any answers on why we were charged, and we have never seen any kind of shipping information, any nothing, and it's like, I'm at the point where it's like, what do you do? I could totally be online making a stink about it, but is it going to solve my issue? No. If I can't get them to answer the, the, the phone or the email, then it's pretty much done. Like, lick my wounds and move on. You know, it's like bad-mouthing them. I mean, I will say I probably will never order anything from them again, but that's between me and them. That's not for the whole world to know. Right, exactly. So, it, but... Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's, the, you know, it, it's weird because the more things start to kind of deteriorate, which I think is pretty safe to say that things in this country are deteriorating right now, I just mm -hmm. feel like there's less of a place for just kind of good old boys like you and me, you know? Well, see, and that's the way I've always viewed, like, for instance, the RC hobby. You know, it's like that's always been my outlet to go hang out with my RC people. I know when I'm out on the trail, I'm not going to talk to them about politics. I'm not going to talk to them about the world's problems. I'm not going to talk to them about, you know, the the horrible experience I just had at the gas station trying to buy a rock star. Like, you know, like that's – no, you're out there having fun, enjoying the trail, enjoying the RC. You know, like that's – like. My, that's the escape that I'm using, you know? Yes, of course, my really close friends in the hobby, yeah, we talk about all that stuff because we know each other on a little bit more personable, you know, level. But, like, when I'm out on trail, I'm not going to be sitting there on my soapbox, you know, doing this, that, and the next thing. It's like, no, I came here to do one thing. It's like, and if you're going to turn it into that, you've now taken away the joy for me yeah. of what the hobby which is what happens daily on Facebook, and so I I don't know. Like for me, I really limit my involvement on Facebook for that reason, just because like I don't want to hear about Trump on an element page or something. You know what I mean? Like it it's just that's your release. That's your happy time to get away from everything. That's your time to like be with your buddies and you know go. Man, did you just see that? Did you see what that thing just did? You know, I mean, like in just enjoy yourself in like one of the most simple and satisfying ways of just going out and driving your truck and that's the only thing you're thinking about you know and like saturday evening we did an awesome awesome run just a, me and two other buddies and we just went out and hit the trail and we it was really cool like photography wise because we started when it was daylight and finished up when it was like pitch blackout and it was rad it was the best time and it was like the very 
essence of why we do this, you know? And it, mm-hmm. it was just, I don't know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I needed this last weekend. You know, like, I, I just, I needed that giddy, excited feeling. Like, it, it was the closest I felt happiness level-wise to the feeling I had rolling into Axial Fest for the first time. You know, because we had a product booth there and we gave away raffle prizes. And granted, you know, people have masks and their social distancing and stuff. And, you know, we encouraged everybody to be kind of spread out on the trail and not, you know, not bunch up and crowd the person in front of you, you know, as far as like people wise or vehicle wise, you know, give them some room to work around and drive their rig. Don't, you know, crawl up their back bumper. And, you know, there is kind of an etiquette to follow and stuff. And it was just. Dude, it was such a good time. I mean, I can't even begin to stress how much I needed that and how much fun it was. I mean, it was just the perfect reminder of why we do what we did. And I only got on Facebook at night to do photo dumps, and that was it. And it was a great time. And it's just, I don't know, I I think if you're starting to feel weird or cooped up or some kind of anxiety or something, go hit the trail do it by yourself. Even, you know, like just take that time to kind of remind yourself why you got into the hobby in the first place and really go out and enjoy yourself and just unplug from Facebook and everything and just enjoy the hobby for what it is, you know? Oh, exactly. And, you know, um, I think this is a perfect way to include the very last question because I don't want Ed to think we ignored him, but Ed Wagner had a question, and his was, what is the topic? To answer you, well, <laughs> Dutch Brothers, that was our topic. That was our topic. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you never wanted to know about Dutch Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just, that's just my whole thing, and like I said, we're just two guys, you know, doing this show, you know, to entertain people. Hopefully it's your outlet, you know, we're not te- like I saw it earlier on something else I was watching. The best way I could describe it is, you know, you got to remember that when people do something, you know, especially like in entertainment, like you know, kind of like what we're doing, you're asking us for our opinions. Do our opinions mean anything to anybody else but ourselves? No, I don't like, even think my was- opinion matters to me even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so if, so if, 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 I mean, if that's what you want to listen to, if you want to listen to somebody else's opinion, you know, by all means. I mean, a lot of people do it. That's why you turn on the news. That's why you follow certain bands. That's why you follow certain influencers. That's why you know, it, it's just like the list goes on. But at the end of the day, you got to remember it's just your opinion, and you need to accept that if somebody else doesn't like it, doesn't make one or the other right or wrong. You just agree to disagree, and end of story. Yeah, and you can still be friends afterwards. You don't have to hate each other because you don't agree on the same thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, There's family members and even my own son at times that I don't agree with, but it doesn't affect us in any way, shape, or form. Like, the there are some people, and I have ran into this situation before, where they'll say something and it's just so far out and left field that you're like, dude, I wish I never heard that because I'm never going to be able to look at you the same again. Like there are some things like that when you have like this deep, like personal conflict with the way somebody feels about something, that's kind of a different story, but like there's nothing within this hobby that should be causing that amount of tension. 
you know, and like one of the things, especially because I had brought up like how quickly the fun factor of drag racing is deteriorating. It's mm-hmm. like drag racing would be sick right now if there was no Facebook. It would be rad, but like the callouts and the trash talking and oh, I can't wait for this thing to whoop up on a bunch of dr. Like it's so corny and so cheesy. Like. Yeah, that works with, like, no prep and street outlaws where, you know, they've got $70,000-plus rigs that they're racing. Your $350 Traxxas drag car that you made, like, it, it's just laughable. Like, I really, really hope that that part of it just dies and goes away because you don't have that normal, like, off-road RC racing or anything like that, like it doesn't need the drama to be interesting. Like none of RC needs the drama to be interesting at all. It should be interesting because of the very nature of what it is. So I really hope that that's a trend that ends up going away sooner than later. Yeah. Unfortunately with the way everything's going, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but you know, one can hope. I mean, little like fun fact, um, and then I know we need to start wrapping this up. Um, like that's honestly the reason why it took me forever. Like if like people that have known me for how long I've been in the RC industry, I did not get on Facebook until like 2014. Oh wow, maybe check, 15. Check you out. Because when I first got into this. You were on the forum, you know. You were on rccrawler.com. You were you were doing like a thread, and pe- you were asking people for advice. And people, I mean, it's kind of like how Facebook is, but like the the culture was a little bit different. Was it less so vicious? It, it was it was less vicious. There were some people that were pretty br- that were brutal. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, it still happened back then, but it was like for some reason the forum culture is way different. In the Facebook culture, the Facebook culture is like I don't know what it is, but it's just like twenty four seven, you know, it, over the top. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I watched the demise of the forum, and everything started moving over to Facebook. Like I remember all the time, Ilya used to tell me. Oh, dude, did you see this? And I say, see what? And he goes, oh, I posted this. And I go, I didn't see it. It's not on any of the threads. Where would you make the thread? Is it under this? Is it under that? And he goes, are you still talking about RC Crawler? Dude, nobody uses that anymore. We're all on Facebook. And it's like, dude, it's like, that's not my thing. Like, I don't really care for it. It's like, you know, it's like I tried to hang on to the, to the forum stuff as long as possible. And then eventually I said, all right, fine. I'll make a, I'll make a Facebook. But that's why mine is strictly... RC related. I mean, I tell my family straight up. Like, like my brothers have tried to add me. Uh, my parents have tried to add me. Uh, people from high school find me and try to add me, and I don't. I, they just sit in the in the friend request because I said, look, this is RC only. I don't talk anything else on here other than RC. Yeah, which is great. So, I think that's a super smart idea. I mean, I think people give way too much of themselves away on facebook you know like i i don't know i mean 
there's some things that you say and do on Facebook that nobody is going to look at you the same ever again. You know, mm-hmm. like talking about relationship drama or how much you hate your job or this politician sucks or whatever. It's you give too much of yourself away and then you don't have a whole lot of yourself left that you can keep private and just for you. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't air my laundry on Facebook because I don't want anyone. I I prefer people to not know about me and not know about my life and what goes on in my life and stuff, you know? And like I used to, you know, I, I stopped doing it, but I used to have, you know, like situations where I would vent because most of my Facebook friends, I think it was like under 500 and it was mostly like people I'd known a long time or people that I knew from like the industry that were other business owners and stuff. But as things have grown and progressed, like I don't even do that anymore. Like I just, I just keep all that for me and that's it. I very ever, I very rarely ever talk about anything personal other than just RC stuff on there, you know, or I'll post something to make somebody laugh or whatever, but that's about it. You know, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of peace of mind that comes with being a private person and not Mm -hmm. everybody wants to hear about all your grievances, you know? And a lot of times people will form, opinions of you without even really knowing you based on what you've put on Facebook. I mean, there was a local racer up here that the guy was just an ass on Facebook, just such an asshole. But in real life, the dude was actually fine. He just came across like a total dick on Facebook, but he was actually really pleasant in person. And, you know, it's like that stuff follows you around and that's something you need to think about and be made aware of especially you know circling back to when we were talking about brand bashing and stuff it's like dude all these people like there's people known throughout people that work in the industry as like troublemakers you know and it's like there's conversations that are had like dude stay away from this guy he doesn't pay or this guy raises hell you're really gambling with your reputation if you even have this person as a customer like you know there's a lot of dialogue that goes on you know in private about people and the way that they behave online and you know whether they're trolls or not or whatever and uh i don't know i mean i've said it before i think it'd be rad if more of the group moderators and stuff just Hit that button to remove them, you know, just get rid of the people that are cancerous and try and maintain the positive energy of it for the rest of the group. You know, it's not worth trying to be fair or accommodate one person that's a dickhead at the sacrifice of everybody else's happiness or pleasure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like I said... I know I always try to, you know, I don't know, end on a positive note, but, like, you know, I'm sorry if we went down, like, the dark rabbit hole. Um, didn't really have a direction for this uh, episode, so we just kind of, like, you know. Talked about what was on our minds. Yeah. <laughs> and Dutch Brothers. Went, and, yeah, and Dutch Brothers. So, and and I just want to say that if you've never had an opportunity to go to Dutch Brothers and you do have a Dutch Brothers near you, or you're traveling somewhere and you see a Dutch Brothers, make sure to stop in. Yeah, 
very very friendly people super super cool you will, you will not regret it at all no and it's funny i mean it's like a simple moment like that where you have like that really friendly exchange that can completely change your day and you know god bless the people that go out of their way to do that and make others happy definitely something exactly. we need more of so I think with that being said, it's safe to say episode 54 is a wrap. Yep, it's a wrap. Well, thank you guys for listening to us. I hope you had a fun and uh, safe 4th of July. Hopefully you didn't burn down too much around you and uh, you had some fun with family and yeah. the people that matter. Exactly. So, yeah, until next time, guys, take it easy. We'll see you next week.